grateful for the trials that you're going through right now. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. You see, the trials lead us to the place of weakness. The trials lead us to the place of brokenness. The trials lead us to the place where we realize that this world isn't our home. We know it. We start to figure it out. I remember when I was a little boy, the big trial in my life was my brother Aaron and I were hungry and we were at camp meeting. How many of you like to go to camp meeting during the summer? Right? And we were camping in those beautiful tents. It looks just like you've joined the army, doesn't it? <laughs> right? You've got the cots inside. Sometimes you don't know. You're like, I'm just sleeping with the flaps open. I don't know what's worse, the heat or getting bitten by mosquitoes. But for some reason, we love going back, don't we? And so here's my brother and I. We're hungry. We, we want something to eat. And our parents tell us, you're not getting anything to eat till 1 o'clock. Now, I have to be careful because my mother is sitting here once again this week right down here in the front row, second row. So she's watching me to make sure that I tell the story accurately. Yes. And so my brother and I, we go into that sweltering tent and we discover to our wonderful glee that under one of those military cots was a box of golden, delicious apples. Ooh. Okay, now, if we could just sneak the box out from underneath the bed, get the lid off, and get those apples out, we could probably make it out the back of the tent, close the flap, and because the front one's open, no one will know the better, we can hide behind the tent and eat these apples. Ho-ho! What a great idea! Now, I would like to lie and say that it was my brother's idea, because he's the older one, but it wasn't. It was mine. And so off came the lid, and out came the apples, and we went behind that tent, and we were having a wonderful time. Now, if I would have been smarter, I would have taken more than one, but we only took one each. We were just little kids. We didn't understand that if you take more than one, you know, you'll have more when the first one is done, right? So we started biting into these apples, and they were so wonderful, and we ate the whole thing right down to the core. It was so good, I was tempted to eat, even eat the core with the seeds. And, friends, we got away with it. Or so we thought. Until one time when I was a lot older, my mother opened the picture album and says, oh, this is one of my favorite ones that your father took of the two of you. And there we were, behind the tent, at camp meeting, caught, busted, red-handed. And here I am, a full-grown man, feeling like, oh! Looking at mom, feeling a little sheepish. It was my brother Aaron's idea, I swear. <laughs> right? And none of us, none of us like to admit in that moment when we've messed it all up, it was me. Right? None of us want to take responsibility for the mess that we're in. But when the trials come, we can say together, 
through it all. Oh, yeah, the trials brought me to a place where I felt broken. The trials brought me to a place where I felt weak. Sometimes I feel lonely. Sometimes I feel stressed. Sometimes I'm full of anxiety. Sometimes I can't make ends meet the finances. I'm not going to be able to pay the bills this month. Sometimes. Sometimes you get that phone call that a loved one is sick. You feel helpless because you know that there is nothing you can do. And in that moment of weakness, in that moment of brokenness, we get to claim the promise that in our weakness, in our brokenness, his strength is made perfect. So through it all, through it all, through it all, I'll trust in you. Through it all, I know it's well. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in you. Oh, I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of faces. You guys been a lot of places and seen a lot of faces? There's been a lot of times that in that crowd, in that throng, sitting right here in church, going around downtown, wherever I've traveled to, that I felt all alone. And I know that every single person listening to the sound of my voice right now has had a moment in your life. You can be surrounded by friends and family. You can be up at the high school. For those of you that are going to college right now, you can be at the college. You can be on a campus of three to four or 5,000 people, and you can find yourself surrounded by people feeling lonely, broken, afraid. Some, suppose some of you here today, you think, well, you know, I wish I were one of those disciples that could have walked with Jesus, right? Or I wish, maybe, maybe what I need to do Maybe what I need to do is become a pastor, right? Because pastors' lives are never lonely. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious... Wait a minute, what? In the lonely hours. You see, as we get a little bit older, we begin to realize the lonely hours actually create a realization for a need that nothing in this world can feel. No friend, no girlfriend... No marriage, no friends at school, nothing can feel the loneliness that you feel in these moments, but in these moments, you end up discovering something. Somebody can. Somebody can fill the hole of loneliness that aches in my heart. Through those precious moments, it doesn't say the lonely moments are bad, it's the preciousness of the lonely moments. It's the preciousness of the missing the one you love that's gone. It's the preciousness of being surrounded by a crowd and feeling all alone that helps you to realize that nobody in this world can ever fill the hole in your heart that's in the shape of a cross. Nobody can be there for you in those moments when you feel all alone like Jesus. And so these lonely moments, these broken moments become precious moments. And pretty soon we start thanking God for those mountaintops experiences that we remember. How many of you have had a mountaintop experience in your life? Maybe it's, you know, that high school graduation, that college graduation, that person that you married. You can remember that wedding day. You can remember that baby dedication. 
You can remember that baptism when your son Owen decided to follow Jesus. There's those mountaintop moments. And I want to let you know something about mountaintop moments. Mountaintop moments when you're really close to God, when you see his hand moving in your life, friends, you need to write that down. You need to rehearse that. You need to praise God for it. You need to have a book somewhere that's full of the praises about the mountaintop moments that God did for you. What do you think the Bible is? You see, Moses, he had it figured out. He says, you know what we need to do? If we want these people to have an identity, if we want them to be broken from the slavery to Egypt, if we want to see them set free, if we want to see these people know that they've got a Savior and he believes in them, if they have an identity and become a people, it's only going to happen if they see God move in their life. It's only going to happen if they see God come down on the mountaintop and write the law of love on stone so they can see what it looks like and realize they look nothing like it. It's only going to happen if I have them build a sanctuary so that in a cloud by day or in a pillar of fire by night, I can be there with them. They'll know I'm there. They'll hear my voice. They'll see my miracles. They'll watch me part the Red Sea, rain manna from heaven, and cause water to flow from the rock. Oh, they're going to know. And Moses is there writing the story. And just before the children of the people who passed away in the wilderness finally get the promise, Moses says, before I go to the mountain to die, before I leave you in the hands of Joshua, who's going to lead you into the promised land, I want to do something for you. I'm going to tell you a story about every mountaintop experience you've ever had with God. See, what you're going to notice is, is that when Moses retells the story of what God did, he doesn't retell the story of what they did. Because Moses isn't trying to remind them of the moments when they were in the valley, but instead... Moses is reminding them of the moments when God turned their valleys into mountains. Did you hear me? God turned their valleys into mountaintop experiences with him in a wilderness where you can't climb because it's too hot. And the reason I say that is, friends, is because we need to know something here at the Pendleton Adventist Church. We need to know in those broken moments, in those lonely moments, that you don't have to try harder to climb the mountain in order to be with God. Because what God says is, I'm going to come and meet you in the valley. Psalm 23, he says, I'm going to come find you. <laughs> Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. I'm coming to get you. I'm your shepherd. My rod and my staff will comfort you. When I find you, I'll beat that enemy down. Oh, I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy in the valley. Friends, I want to let you know something. The God that you can meet on your mountaintops is the God that will come find you in your valleys. And he says, I'm about to take the valleys and raise them up. I'm about to take the mountains you can't climb and bring them down. I'm about to do something you can't do for you. So you can be with me. And through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. You see, friends, the wilderness experience is a blessing. Because at the point in your life when you realize I'm lost in the wilderness and I don't know the way home, we have a God that says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. 
I'm about to show you roads through the wilderness that are going to lead you home. And are you thirsty? Or I'm about to make rivers that you've never seen flow through the wilderness of your life. It doesn't matter if you're feeling broken, lonely, tired, anxious, afraid. It doesn't matter if you feel like you have no friends. It doesn't matter. Because I'm with you and I'm going to set you free from all of the pain. I'm going to give you peace. And so we need to celebrate today in the valley. And so we need to praise him today in the valley. And through it all, through it all, I'll trust in you. It's getting hard to trust him, isn't it? I can see it on your faces. See, that's the thing. We can lie to each other, but we can't lie to God, can we, Owen? See, Owen's a young man. He's got it figured out. Hey, Pastor Farr, I want to follow Jesus. Hey, Pastor Farr, even if I do really well in school and I get a job and I find the perfect, you know, even if my life turns out the way that society says that it should, there's going to be stuff in my life I don't know how to handle. Isn't that right, Owen? We talked about it, didn't we? And I said, Owen, there's, there's something that you're going to need to have for this battle that you're facing because, friends, did you know that we're all in a war? Did you know that everyone sitting in this room, you are currently in the middle of a war? Did you know that every single person in this room is currently in the process of making a decision about which side they are choosing? Did you know it's impossible not to choose a side? Because sometimes we think, you know, I just don't want to, you know, I'm tired, right? I don't want to choose a side. I don't want to choose a side. I don't want to get in it. I don't want to be involved. I just, you know what? I just want to go home. And then you find out that you look and you look and you look through the, the, the hills and the valleys of this world. You're looking for home. God, I just want to go home. I don't want to be in this anymore. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this fight. Can we just go home? Am I the only one that's been there? Sometimes I say, hey, Owen, sometimes I say, I didn't sign up for this fight. No, I said I would fight for you. I said I'd fight with you. I said I'd let you fight through me. I said I'd put on the arm. Jesus, I said I'd let you be my armor, but this war is a little more than I can handle. I got a helmet of salvation. I got my feet shod with the gospel of peace. I got my shield of faith, but the fiery darts are coming down so hard, I don't think I can take any more. Isn't that true? Come on, is it just me? Am I the only one? When I was looking at my dad through a plexiglass window being told that I could not hug him goodbye before he died, I said, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. I'm done. Most of you in this audience today can relate to that. You've lost someone you loved, and when you saw that moment and you realized that there was nothing that you could do to bring them back or keep them from falling asleep, you said to yourself, isn't Jesus here yet? You see, there's moments when we get sober, when we realize that this world isn't our home. There's moments when we get really sober and we realize, do you know what? 
No matter how good I do, no matter how hard I try, I'm still in the middle of a war I don't want to fight no more. And no matter where I go in this world now, it seems like I can't find a place to call my own. I don't feel home anymore. I don't feel home anymore. I go home to bed at night and I'm sleeping in my nice little house. I got food in the cupboard. I got the lights turned on. I've got the heat going. I can jump on my Samsung Galaxy and all of the iPhone people say, ooh. And then they start talking about conversion. <laughs> They're trying to beat me at what God's called me to do. Mercy on your soul. And so I get to get out my Samsung Galaxy, and every single day I get to get on Bible in the air, and I get to tell people about the words of life. And so I want to say hello to the people who have been visiting us recently. I know we had one of the Clayville's friends, Kirsten. Kirsten is watching right now online. She says, I enjoy the Pendleton Pilot Rock Church people so much that I want more of them. And so when I have to go back home to my home, it felt a little bit more like home in Pendleton. You can move here and transfer membership anytime you want. We will take you. Oh, she is. She's moving. Okay, this is wonderful. And, and, and ask our, our new members right over here that just joined us today. Friends, let's hear it for them. And I just want to praise God because I'm looking here. Sandra, I do believe that you got a reading here, second reading for James and Polly Lloyd from Hermiston Adventist Church to Pendleton Adventist Church. So happy to have you here as part of our family. Okay, now, a little interesting fact. Um, Sandra, aren't you from Australia, right? Right? Okay, you are from Australia. Uh, friends, I just want to say something. Um, this week, when Sandra came into her office, there was a beautiful brand new computer sitting on her desk with two screens and a plug-in port so that she can get on a keyboard and get out a mouse and she can do everything from two spread screens. Right? Now, there's a reason I mentioned this. It's because when you get a secretary from Australia to sign up to come and work with you, and after finding out how crazy I am, how much I talk about 10 different things at the same time, the fact that she still stays there, books all of my appointments, does everything to help me, has gained her a promotion. Are you guys ready for this promotion? Okay, she has now been promoted to the best boss in the entire world. Sandra, I love you. Couldn't do it without you. I don't, yeah, you, you, it, and trust me, you'll, you'll spend your whole life wanting to be a boss until you become somebody that they say, well, you're the boss, and then, you, <laughs> and then you're looking for someone else to be the boss, like really fast, and Sandra's that person for me, so we're kind of in a tug of war over who's the boss, I think what we should do is we should just be an amazing team for Jesus and let Jesus take the lead, how about that, all right, we'll let him do it, we'll let him do it. And that brings us back to planet Earth. So hello to everybody out there on the live stream from Australia, from all over the world that's watching right now. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for all of your donations towards the Pendleton Center for Evangelism. Friends, I got to tell you a crazy story. I wasn't planning on doing this, but you need to hear a story. Um, I went to do, I've, I've always dreamed of being a world evangelist. I've always wanted to travel all over the world to tell people about Jesus. So I came here nine months ago in a couple of days. Who's counting? I came here nine months ago, 
And just before I came here, my older brother, who was eating the apple with me behind the tent at camp meeting, he, he, I'm sitting in my COVID-19 version of my graduation from Andrews University in a sanctuary of only seminary graduates with no family or friends, and they are watching on very modern cameras. Right. Woo. And I decide, they say, when you go up to the president to graduate, you're gonna they're going to show you your graduation thing. You're not even, no, you're going to get it before you go up there. You're going to show it to the president, and then you have a few approved things you can do to greet her because you can't touch her. So there was a video to show us what was approved to be on video that we could do to greet the president. And they said all of these things. You can give her a peace sign. You can give her two thumbs up. You can smile really big and wave to mom at home. And then they said, and you can raise the roof, but nobody showed me how to raise the roof. And I was standing there. They didn't do a demonstration for raise the roof. I don't know what's going on here. And so I'm like, how do you raise a roof in a building this big? I mean, like the ceiling was really high, and I was feeling like, you know, I'm bald and I'm short. And since I came here nine months ago, now I have glasses. Let's hear it for all of our glasses, people. It's nice to see. Right. And so, um, so I'm getting older. That's interesting. And I get up to the president, and I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm going to raise the roof, and nobody's going to do it because they didn't show people how. And lo and behold, it finally was my turn to graduate. And I'm standing off stage. The person went just before me. They did peace signs. Okay, nobody's done raise the roof. I'm doing it. And I meander my way out to the center of the stage thinking, I hope some of my siblings or my mom or dad or somebody back home is watching me graduate right now after 10 years out in the wilderness. I am finally hitting the promised land and moving to Pendleton back into the middle of the desert. Okay, well, anyway, I'm graduating from desert to desert. First 40 years in the wilderness complete, 40 more years to go. Woo, can't wait. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm getting ready to go up there, and I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to do the raise the roof. And this is what it looked like. I must have been on this side of the stage. I'm over here. Okay, and I'm waiting my turn, and then they nod at me that I can go. And I walk up, and there's a piece of tape, and they're like, you can't come any closer to the president than the piece of tape. And I get to the piece of tape, and I stand there, and I go like this, and suddenly I have little mini T-Rex arms, and I go... And my brother, who is a computer guru back home, is literally getting just a short clip of video so that he can gift this. And it was amazing because the president, in response to my little T-Rex arms that I did, because I was like trying to illustrate that you have to raise the roof a lot of times to even get to the roof, and then probably even then, a guy as short as me still didn't raise the roof. So I tried, and I didn't raise the roof. But the president came to my aid. Suddenly, the most amazing thing happened. The president looked at me and was like, I do not know what in the beautiful world that God created, you can read about it in Genesis 1, that you just did. <laughs> That's how a president says it, because they're very learned, right? And she looks at me, and she thinks, I don't know what to do. She had like that out of the corner of her glasses look. I don't know what he did. I don't know how to respond. And suddenly, she had even shorter little T-Rex arms, and she was like, <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, that's the greatest little baby T-Rex arms I've ever seen. So presidential. Amazing. I would shake your hand, but COVID-19. See you later. And so off the stage I went, and I went back to my seat. And there is a method to my madness here. There, trust me. You're thinking, why is he talking about baby T-Rex arms and graduate? Where is this man at? Does he even know where he's at? I know where I'm at. Suddenly, 
I sit in my chair and I feel my phone in my pocket. Womp, 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 Charlie Brown, you know, okay, right. And suddenly the phone is doing this so fast that I'm like, what's going on? And I open it up and here's text messages from all over the world. We just saw you graduate. Amazing. But you know what? It was so cool to have people from all over the world, from Philippines, Indonesia, Kenya. It was so cool to have people just literally all over Facebook and everything being like, we were watching online and we took pictures of you on the TV screen. I've never had people take, you know what I mean? Here I am, I'm like, it's Lauren Daigle, I'm trying to get a picture, it's great. And no one ever did that to me. But you know what? None of that really mattered because sitting there in that church, all I wanted was mama. It's true. And niece Aubrey. And, Re- and my sister, Rebecca. Yes, Rebecca, I wanted you there too. And my brothers. And I was sitting there in, in the middle of all of these people with all of the people around the world watching me on the big screen graduating and having this really big, huge moment. Kind of like Owen here, who moments ago was standing there, there in the baptismal and before we go out, I said, Owen, have you memorized the speech that you want to give? And he looks at me and he's like, speech. I've decided to follow Jesus. Will that do? (laughs) Right? And I don't blame you, partner. It's scary up here. Trust me. I'm standing here now. I'm terrified. I'm shaking in my boots. Don't tell anyone. And so I'm sitting there feeling all sad and lonely because my family's not there. My dad's not there. And suddenly my phone goes, wah, wah. And then wah, wah, wah. Thank you. Yeah. And I open the text, and it's from my older brother, Aaron, and it's the GIF. And he puts it on the internet, and it went viral all over the world. He says, you had one job. You have to graduate not looking like an idiot. I love you. (laughs) Love you, bro. Sibling rivalry. It never dies. But then I got home, and I was feeling really sad. Because I had to go back home to a place where I was living in a basement in a room by myself, right? And I was quarantined from everyone in the world so that I couldn't celebrate. I had to eat pizza and Zoom people. I had like a Zoom with so many people, I had to have someone moderate for me. And I was still feeling sad and lonely because my family wasn't with me. They were supposed, this was supposed to be, right? And who wants to eat pizza in a room with a photographer and a computer screen when you could have your whole family there. So the next morning comes, I go to school, I'm just like, go back to the school, I'm getting everything ready to move, and I come back home, and I'm feeling all forlorn, and I walk into the front of the house, and I come in, and my landlady looks at me, and she says, hey, you sit, because by now, all of the graduation cards had already come. I sent them like four months in advance, because Four months before I reached the promised land, I was really thirsty and couldn't wait to... Anyway, I love you, Andrews University. (laughs) Yeah, it's cold there. There, it's a frozen wilderness, right? And so I get home, and I walk into my landlady. She looks at me, and she says, hey. She says, there's two Amazon boxes on the porch. Okay, cool. Go out onto the porch. 
get the boxes, bring them inside. It doesn't say on the outside who it's from because it's one of those gift boxes where you have to open the whole thing open and get inside of the pretty little glittery bags that get glitter all over your clothes. And then finally you find a note and then finally inside there's a thing that if you open it, you finally figure out what you got. Thank you, Amazon, for packaging things 10 times. All right. And so then I open it all up and I get to the bag and I open it and this little note comes out. And it's a note from my older brother and his wife, Amber, and it says, what do you get for a guy who's going to preach the gospel of the kingdom of peace into all the world as a witness to all the people on planet Earth? So I opened it up, and here is this beautiful leather journal with a ballpoint pen, rosewood, totally gorgeous. And then there's a note. It says, Stephen... As God uses you to tell people about Jesus all over planet Earth, we want you to write down the story. And then when you come and visit us, we want to hear the stories. You know what, Owen? You just started an adventure, buddy. Yeah, because now, it's like I told you. Now, I do have a gift for you today. I will give that to you near the end of the sermon, but... Other than that, I was telling Owen upstairs, I was like, hey, Owen, by the way, you're about ready to accept adoption to be one of God's sons, which means my brother. And do you know what I do for brothers? <laughs> you know what I do for sisters in the faith? We all get together with their families and friends, and we go to baseball games in Seattle, <laughs> right? Oh, I have people raising their hand. They want to come. And then I was like, but there's something else we're going to do, Owen. There's something else we're going to do because what's going to happen later today is, is we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've already made the way. You've prepared the way. You've followed John's call. He said, prepare a way through the wilderness. The Lord is coming. Make the path straight so when Jesus shows up, he can walk straight to the center of your heart. And so that baptism by water that removes the iniquity and sin, that's a symbolic act by, by getting up today and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. You said, Jesus, you know what? I don't want to just come to church to see you, but I want to be a living temple for God up in heaven. I want the Holy Spirit to shine through me. I want to be used by God so that people can see through my hands, my feet, my words, even if they're few, that Jesus is alive. Jesus is on the throne and that his name is the name by which we all can have eternal life. Do we believe it? And so now I've got Emery, Gregory, Allie, Owen, and I, I just found out in my office this week, if you'll let me, I found out in my office this week that it's not just going to be Deanna Frey getting baptized next week, but her husband scheduled an appointment with me, and he came down and He's, she's been studying, he's been studying, and he says, Pastor Farr, there's no more time. It's time to give my life to Jesus. And he says, with your permission, I want to get baptized next week too because my wife isn't choosing Jesus and going on into the kingdom without me. Can we get an amen for that? I'm starting to wonder if we're going to have church without baptisms. Probably not. <laughs> Is that okay with all of the rest of you? So then I open another box. I should have brought it out here to show you, but I opened the second box, and inside there is this beautiful map. Can I open it up? And it's one of those landmass maps where you can have the little scratchy thing like you're playing one of the scratch tickets, right? 
Don't judge me. Okay. Don't look at me like that. I said like. It's not a scratch ticket. It's a map. All right. And so I open it up, and, it says, and, and then the note says, and what else do you give a guy that's going to go all over the world telling people about Jesus? You give him a map so that he can record all of the places that he's ever been. You know what's beautiful about that? From the time I was a 12-year-old little boy and my parents divorced, I started praying. I started saying, God, I don't like you very much anymore. You know, when you pray, you can tell God the truth, Owen. You don't have to lie to God. When you're in those lonely moments and those broken moments, you can tell God all about it. And you know what's great about God? He's got thick enough skin to listen to you, and he's got steadfast love so that no matter what you tell him about how you're feeling, he's just going to wrap his arms around you tighter. Amen. So at 12 years old, I started learning how to talk to God telling him what I really think. And I started telling God, I don't want to be in heaven without my family, God. <laughs> if mom and dad aren't going to be there, if the brothers aren't going to be there, if I can't have my family, that's all I ever wanted in life. I loved my family as a kid. We had a lot of fun. I just wanted my life back. Oh, Jesus, I just want to go home, and it's not going to be home if they're not there. Can anyone relate to this? Oh, it's just not going to be home if they're not there. It's not going to be home if the ones that you love aren't there. Oh, and it's not going to be home if we don't invite more people. Because I got news for you, buddy. Jesus wants you and I to go to the highways and to the byways, and he wants us to start inviting people. Because Jesus came to save Oh, and he wants us to invite all kinds of people that many of us sitting in here at the Pendleton Adventist Church today are not comfortable inviting. Can, uh, hello? Right? He wants our hearts to get a lot bigger. He wants his house to get a lot bigger. He wants us to remember that the table doesn't just seat 200, but in fact, the table seats so many that you have to have brand new eyes just to see all the way down to the end of the other side. It wasn't that good of an echo, but thanks. But you hear what I'm saying? And he's telling us, he's saying, Owen, seats are empty. There's so many empty seats. We need to fill the seats. I came and gave my life so that all who believe can be saved. I want to save people from every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue, from all over the world. I want to save people that are tall, skinny, short, bald. Black, white, my brother from another mother's up in the church talking to me right now. Don't let me miss it, Chris Viking. Talk to me. You better let me know. He wants to call us all. Did you know that he wants to call the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the prisoners, the poor, the widows? The orphans, yes. the downtrodden, yes. the broken. Yes. He 
even lets women anoint him and wash his feet in front of people who are judging him. And he says, <laughs> you guys are judging this woman, and she's the only one that knows that I'm about to go to Calvary's tree to die for all of you. And oh, by the way, when I say all, it includes the woman you didn't invite to dinner. Jesus doesn't play the games we play. He, 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 Owen, he doesn't drag you out into the center of town and throw you at the feet of all of the people who are so righteous and good who've never done anything wrong in their live long lives. And demand a stone. He doesn't do that. What he does is he reminds people that he came into the world to save sinners, and if you're righteous, that means you don't need him. Good luck. <laughs> and then he gets down, doesn't he? You see, what I love about Jesus is, is instead of being up here above all of us, even though he's sitting at the right hand of his Father in heaven with all honor, all authority, all glory, do him with angels, ten thousands upon thousands, and every cherubim, seraphim, in form of good spirit, waiting to be commissioned on the behalf of our prayers, even though he's got it all. Instead of sitting up there on his throne acting like, well, aren't I glorious and wonderful and good? He's busy working in the temple to cleanse the temple, to remove the iniquity and sin that stands between you and I and God so that we can come boldly before the throne of grace and stand in his presence in robes of Christ's righteousness. But we got to get there, don't we, Owen? And so I'm going to need your help. You ready to go to war with me, partner? And you see, you might be quiet, and you might shake your head in the solemn way, but I know that you're a young man that thinks every decision that you ever make in life from beginning to end before you make it, don't you? And even though I used to think that I was an amazing nerd, when I sat with you in Bible studies and we built Star Wars Legos, I learned that you know more about Star Wars than I ever will. You are an attention-to-detail man, and I need you on my team. Friends, are we excited to have Owen Easley on the team? Let's hear it for him. And so let me make it to today's text, Ephesians chapter 6. If you're watching on the live, you can get out your phone, you can search it on your laptop, you can open your printed pages. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can reach into the pew in front of you and you can take a look. Because Owen, being that God has called you not to just be someone who joins the church, and then after joining the church, you just come into the church, you're walking in on Sabbath, you're looking on point, you know you know more Star Wars than Pastor Farr ever will and probably can beat me at chest, and then you just sit in the pew. Pow. Kind of like you got tickets to the baseball game, right? Because, see, God doesn't call you. I'm sorry, YouTube. Can you still see me, Devin? Let's hear it for Devin upstairs. He is up there running audio, visual, sound, camera, everything all on his own today. Are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Owen, I can't do this without you, buddy. And so if we come to church and we sit in the views and Pastor Farr tells you that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life, and if we really believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, 
and that through him all who believe will have eternal life and an equal inheritance of the entire universe? Uh, what I want to know is, is why more people aren't excited about telling others. <laughs> you see, because we can come to church every week and I can run around full of energy going crazy and preach way too long for the folks who like 20-minute sermons and not long enough for the people from Africa who want sermons that last all day, right? Because if you go over to Kenya, you can preach for four hours and they say, Elder, did you expect us to pay for your plane ticket, right? I won't preach for four hours today. I love you guys too much for that. But Owen, if you are going to be successful in choosing to side with Jesus in the great controversy, if you are going to be on Jesus' side in a world that is not your home, where the prince of darkness is causing all of the trouble he possibly can by waging war in the unseen heavenly realms using every form of darkness, evil, angelly, demon, and anything else that he's got at his fingertips to try to mess us up, if you're going to be used by God. You're going to have to have armor for war. You're going to need some armor for war, brother. You're going to need to put on your war paint, and you're going to need to plan on going to battle. And let me just tell you something. If you turn around and you go home and you hide under your bed, like many of Braveheart's men were tempted to do facing the English, if you go home and you hide under your bed, the devil is not a gentleman. You see, Jesus will come, and he will knock at the door of your heart. That's what he did to you. He came and he knocked. Hey, Owen, if you'll let me in, I'm going to come in and dine with you and I'm going to give you the secrets to eternal life. I want to let you know the secrets to my kingdom. I want to offer you something that you can't refuse. He knocks, but he doesn't kick down the door, does he? You see, but, but the devil, he's, he's going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. All he's looking for is for you to leave the door of your house open just to crack. If he discerns that the door is not locked, if he discerns that there's nobody's home, if he discerns that you got baptized and your temple's totally clean, but it's left empty, if he discerns that Jesus is not sitting on the throne of your heart, if he knows when he comes to your door and knocks that Jesus is not going to answer that door, are you picking up what I'm putting down on? If the devil knows the house is empty, he's going to come on in. Poo! And he's going to kick the door of your life in. Because the devil doesn't ask permission, does he? The devil doesn't ask permission. He starts by getting into your mind. I would have loved to be in my father's mind when he decided that he was leaving my mom and five children. That would have been interesting. I wonder what the devil was saying. I'm sure that he's probably used the same strategies against you and I, hasn't he? Sometimes he gets you with pride. <laughs> Don't you know you're better than those people? <laughs> Sometimes he gets you by convincing you that what God says about you isn't true. Oh, oh, and you know what? What a failure. <laughs> you gave your life. Oh, yeah, look at you now. You just gave your life to Jesus five minutes ago, and here you are with skin knees. Told you you couldn't make it. 
He'll never be good enough for him. He's not going to let you in. When you get to heaven, you know, when he comes, he's not going to say your name. You know he won't. Can you remember the thing you did when you were 10? (laughs) You never apologized. You didn't confess for that one yet, did you? You see, the devil has different ways of getting us to believe things about ourselves that God would never say. And so let's talk about the armor. Because if you're going to fight the devil, if you're going to fight the devil, Owen, if you're going to win the, bio, the battle, if God is going to use you now that you are free from the devil and his ways, and you've said, Jesus, I'm standing with you, and Jesus, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, I want to be one of your warriors, I want to be out there fighting this battle, you're going to have to understand something about the way Jesus fights, because Jesus fights a little different than the people in this world fight. Isn't that true, my brother Chris Viking? Tell me about it. You were looking at me like you know what I'm talking about because you and I have been through it together, brother. And now Owen's saying he wants to join the ranks. And so as older brothers and sisters in the faith, we need to let him know, don't we? You see, we're serving a king who instead of asking you to die, died so that you can live in his victory. Do you want to be a warrior that gets to fight the battle against the enemy that goes infinite and O? Let me tell you how. You open the word and you you open the Bible to Ephesians and Paul says to us, he says, finally. How many of you have been living through the last three years of this world saying, finally. See, Paul's been preaching a long time and now he's locked in prison in Rome and it's not going to be long from now where he's going to end up giving his life for what he has stood for, preached for, lived for. Because the enemy will even tell you that it can destroy your flesh and take your life if you won't denounce Christ. You see, the enemy will try to take everything that you love and he'll promise you, If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world and all the wealth and everything. I promise I'll quit making you miserable as soon as you just give up Jesus, walk away and start living like I want you to. And so Paul says, finally, after all of this preaching, here I am. You look at the end of the verse, he says, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ in chains. I'm writing to you, dear Ephesus, locked in a prison cell, but they can't shut me up. You lock me in here. You can't hear me preach. I'm going to write you a letter about the Jesus I know. You can take my flesh, but you can't destroy my soul. I got to let people know about the only name by which we can be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, finally, my brothers and sisters, I got something to say to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, and if you're going to stand for God in the gap between hunger, if you're going to stand with God in the gap between homelessness, If you're going to stand with God in the gap against poverty, against human trafficking, against every form of the darkest violence, against wars and rumors of wars, if you're going to say, I'm not going to live like the people in this world do, I'm not going to fight like the kings of this world do, I refuse to be a part of these wars and rumors of wars, but instead, I want to preach the gospel of peace. If you're going to stand like that, 
You're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in his might. And I want to tell you something about the might of the Lord that we serve that's true for you. I want to tell you something that's true. The God that you serve that came down and hung on Calvary's tree that said, I'll give my life for Owen if he's the only one that chooses me. Oh, I don't want to go to that tree, but not my will, but your will, because I'm going to make a way for on, even if nobody else chooses. He's the same God that spoke. And the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the land separate, and the mountains, and the trees, and, the, and, the, and everything in it. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we find out that he made Adam... And he placed him in the world and he says, Adam, I'm giving you dominion. The same Jesus who's offering you his armor now is the Jesus who spoke everything into existence and formed you in your mother's womb. That's the Jesus that's saying, hey, would you like me to help you out? I'll give you my power and my might in place of your loneliness and weakness. we got to quit trying to fight the fight in our own strength, friends. we got to quit trying to pay the bills with our own money. Didn't you know Papa owns the universe? we got to quit coming to God and saying, look at my bank account and start looking at his. we got to come to God and say, God, I need you to give me eyes that helps me to see my sons and my daughters through your eyes because right now it looks like the devil's winning. you got to hold my arms up so that I can have faith that my children will make it into heaven. God, you've got to help me because my faith is not strong enough. My eyes are too weak to see the glory of the Lord. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. I want to see people through heaven's eyes. How many of you here today want to start looking around and instead of seeing the broken world we're living in, how many of you want to start seeing Jesus' kingdom coming and his will being done on earth? How many of you want to see hundreds lining up to join his kingdom where today we only had one? How many of you want to be a part of the gospel being preached into all the world as a witness to all the nations, not just words coming out of our mouths but then when people hear those words they're healed from sickness they're saved from demons they repent from sin they receive Christ's robes of righteousness his power and his might so that we can start winning the battle that's already been won for us against the enemy instead of being weak Christians who sit there in the pew and do nothing while crying about the reality of our world Amen. we're acting like defeated babies We're trying to fight the battle with the world's money, with the world's politics, with the world's kingdoms, with the world's leaders. We're trying to fight the battle while listening to the lies of Satan rather than reading the word of God, which is the truth, which can bring eternal life to all of us. And I got a brother right here on the front row. You're in the battle with me. We battling it. I'm glad to have you. Wouldn't want to do war without you. All right. I'm going to read something to you, Owen, and I want to invite you down here to the front with your family and your friends that came with you today. Put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any piece of that armor off. That you may be able to stand against the wiles 
You see, the devil doesn't come and be like, hey, Owen, I want you to join me in destroying your life, and then I want you to help me kill all you. He doesn't do it like that, right? Hey, hey, Owen, could you come over here and start a war with me so that, like, mass people will suffer and go hungry? Hey, Owen, could you, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't start that way, does he? No, 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 no. He comes over and he says, hey, what would it be like if you were God instead of God? Wouldn't that be cool? You could just kind of, you know, decide for yourself who you are. You could tell God that he's stupid and his rules are dumb and that love is outdated and that you're just going to get everything you want because the devil's promised you if you'll bow down and worship him and join his kingdom that you're going to have it all. Come on, Owen, you could, you know. Don't you want all of the pretty riches of this world? See, that's how the devil does it. And so if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil and overcome his deceptions and be able to say, you know what, you can keep the kingdoms of this world because I've got the kingdom of my father. And by the way, he's offering me an equal inheritance of the universe and you're offering me breadcrumbs off your table. <laughs> Not today, devil. Then you're going to have to be in God's word. So let's find out what it says. It says, We are not fighting a war against flesh and blood enemies, but against powers and principalities of darkness, against the rulers of this age, against selfish people, against people whose hearts have grown cold, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Owen, would you like to go to battle without the Lord at this point? And so then he says this, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is this saying, Owen? Is it saying that there might be an evil day? Or is it saying that there is going to be an evil day? I'll open it up to the floor. Thank you. And so now that we know that we are on the toenails of the end of time and that the things we see happening are only going to start happening more frequently, what are we going to do about it? We're going to fight? I'm not very convinced. Here's what Jesus says. Stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth. Somebody look up John 14, 6. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Who's got 2 Corinthians 5, 21? Raise your hand. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You got it? Okay, who had the first verse I mentioned? John 14.6. Craig, you've got it. Okay, we want to put on the belt of truth, Owen, and what he said is in John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way and the what? The truth. Who's that belt you're going to put on? Jesus. Who's got the breastplate of righteousness? He made Jesus to be sin for us. He allowed him to go to Calvary's tree so that you could be made by him 
the righteousness of God. How many of you are ready to trade in your legalism and start letting Jesus fulfill the entire law and the prophets in your life? Or do we want to just keep trying to do it ourselves and only, you know, getting halfway there? I know for me, like I can probably keep four of the rules really good and then I fail at one of them and then I'm like, oh, okay, okay, maybe those are just hard ones. I should start with the others. And then you just start kind of swapping out which rules you're keeping. You're like one of those people that wants to juggle, but you just like, this is what I look like when I'm trying. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> look, at I did so good today. I actually read my, oh, I forgot to pray. Darn it. I did so good today. I hate you, brother. Oh, 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 oh where did that come from? You see, because our righteousness, you know the stuff we prayed around ourselves? Like, I'm so glad that I'm good enough to walk into church today. <laughs> I paid my tithe. I keep the Sabbath. I've got that swag. Nobody knows about my, you know, minuscule things that nobody knows about. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm not like that sinner. Right? I'm so glad I'm not like the people that don't come to church. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not like them. And Jesus says, oh, you've kept all the law from your youth. You've always paid tithe. You've always attended church. It's too bad that you don't love anybody because that's the law. It's too bad that you only love the people who dress like you, walk like you, talk like you, choose the same political party as you, have the same opinions you do on the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, yeah, I went there. It's too bad that you only love the people who think like you because guess what? The pagans who worship Satan and serve the kings of this world to come kick the door of your house in to take your stuff love the same way you're loving. They love people who do what they do, look like they look like, walk like they walk, and do what they do. But I've called you to be perfect. I want you to love the people that don't look like you, that don't walk like you, that don't serve your political party, that don't have your opinions about COVID-19. I want you to go to church with people who are sinners just like you. Amen. Oh, man, I'm telling you. And you know, I get tired of it when the devil tempts me to go down that trail because I'm not saying that, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I don't have the same problem. I used to be a homeless guy living in a bus stop. I smelled. My teeth were falling out of my head because nobody would help me. Some of the people that grew up with me in their Pathfinder Club would see me sleeping in the bus stop. Right? You think they came over to talk to me? So, you know what, there came a day when I had a nice suit and tie and I could come into church. You guys, the pastor's here. Right? Yeah, because now I don't, do I look like a homeless guy in a bus stop now? I mean, it's not Armani, but cut me a break, okay? Pastors can't afford Armani, be nice. But you, you hear what I'm saying? And then there comes a moment when, when, you know, now you have the clothes and you pay and you have this and you know the doctrines and you can say the things that you're supposed to say when you're supposed to say them, right? So that people go, oh, you're just like me. I like you. I like that you preach in a suit and tie. 
instead of jeans with holes in the knees. Maybe you could teach all of the people in town how to dress and then they would get Jesus too, right? You could hear a pin drop in this place. <laughs> I know. They tried to kill Jesus. He, they, you know, it was funny. He opened, the, he, he opened the scroll of Isaiah and he says, hey, the favorable year of the Lord is here and you're all about to receive the most amazing gift the universe has ever seen. And all of the people went, they were all in church. They were like, yay. And then he says, oh, by the way, but the gift that I'm wanting to offer you is me and none of you want me because I'm from Nazareth. And then they were like, you're the gift? We're all mad now. And they tried to run him off a cliff. I actually got to look over the cliff in Nazareth that they tried to throw him off of. It was a really interesting thing to be standing there looking over it. Okay. All right. Okay. Owen, why don't you come on down here? Bring mom and dad. I want you to come right down here and stand with Pastor Farr. Mom and Dad can stay. We're going to join them in a minute, but I want you to come up here with me, partner. We'll, we'll join them down there in just a moment. Stand right, in the, right here next to me, partner. You see this guy right here? He's taller than me. Thank you. What they're trying to say is, is that he's better looking and younger. <laughs> it's okay. We can still be brothers. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> Above all, Owen, once you've got that belt of truth and that breastplate of righteousness, I want you to put on your feet the gospel of peace. You know why Jesus died for us? It's because his gospel isn't a gospel that goes out into the world stepping on people and judging them and making them feel worthless, but his gospel is a gospel that says it doesn't matter what you did, it matters what I'm going to do and have done for you. So we get to go around the world telling people, it doesn't matter where you've been, it matters where you're going. Where are we going, Owen? To infinity and beyond? Okay. No, that's not Star Wars. See, I, I'm not nerdy enough. I'm sorry, I failed you. He kind of smiled at me. He's like, Pastor Farr, you had one job, not to blow it, and you did. All right. <laughs> Above all, I want you to take the shield of faith, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Does it say that it's going to stop all the darts, Owen? If you're going to stand with Jesus sometimes, is the enemy going to try to kick the door of your life in? Absolutely. Is the enemy going to attack your family and friends? Is he going to try to convince you that he's in control? Who's in control? And I want you to take the helmet of salvation. Now, let me just go ahead and explain this one to you. The helmet of salvation protects your brain from when the devil comes and tries to convince you that salvation requires you to do the good works. Let me ask you a question, Owen. Who does the good works? Jesus. Jesus does. Are we starting to figure out something about the armor? Belt of truth, Jesus. Gospel of peace, prince of peace, Jesus. Helmet of sal the one who gave us salvation, Jesus. The one who gives us our righteousness, Jesus. 
And did you know that the only thing required to go to heaven is faith, and Jesus even gives you the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that Jesus plants the faith in you, and when he plants it in you, it's just an itsy-bitsy little mustard seed, kind of like the genie of the lamp, right? Itsy-bitsy living space. And then he plants that little bit of faith in you, and it grows, and suddenly it becomes an entire mustard tree with enough seeds on it to share the gospel of Jesus with others all around you into the world. And I got a feeling Owen's the kind of guy that it hasn't even yet begun to tap the potential of what the Holy Spirit's going to do through him. Because, Owen, you're going to end up sharing your testimony. Did you know that you're sharing your testimony right now with people all over the world? Owen, you're going to end up being the hands and feet to Jesus for people who don't have the benefits and blessings that you do in your life. And as a result, they're going to see the love of God in your heart, and they're going to choose Jesus too. Okay, we got one last thing. This is my favorite part. You got to have the sword of righteousness. Okay, Owen, I will give you permission. You can have the lightsaber of righteousness. Okay, right. And what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 4, it says the word of God is alive, it's active, it's moving, it's discerning, it's shaping, it's changing, cuts to the center of the bone and the marrow. So here's the thing about this sword. This sword cuts you all up first, removes all of the stuff that's not like Jesus, puts you back together again, and then makes you a Jedi force. He says, Pastor Farr, you can just use Bible terms. I'll be a disciple. That'll do. That'll do, donkey. That'll do. Jesus can speak through donkeys. He can speak through me, okay? Stop looking at me like that. It's rude. And here's the last part. If you're going to be used by God to change the entire world, there is one weapon that you have to have no matter how much you come to church, no matter how much you read your Bible. If you don't do this one thing, you got to talk to Jesus. You got to talk to Jesus. And you don't have to do it just when you kneel down and you fold your hands and you close your eyes. You got to talk to Jesus all the time. You got to know that Jesus is with you in the valley. He's with you on the mountaintop. He's with you in the good times and in the bads. Jesus is always there. You can talk to Jesus right now, sitting in your seat, watching online hunkered down in your room looking at a computer screen all alone feeling like, oh, I want the gospel to be true. You can talk to Jesus no matter what your life is like. So we will pray always all of the prayers with supplication in the Holy Spirit. Watchful to this end that we will walk in all of the perseverance and supplication for the saints that God can muster through us. And for me, Paul says, the utterances, the words that I need in my prayers were even given to me by God. I didn't even know what to pray for you, but God told me what to pray. That I may open my mouth boldly. Owen, you're going to end up opening your mouth boldly. You've done it in Bible studies with me. I already know you have the gift. Don't try to hide it now. You will open your mouth boldly, the gospel says, and you will make known the mystery of the gospel to people that have never heard it before. And here's why. For like Paul, you are an ambassador, even if we are still living in this world. Are you ready to accept that call, Owen? I'm ready. If so, I want you to go stand over there with your parents. I've got something I want to give you. I've got two somethings I want to give you.
Ladies and gentlemen, right here in my hands, I have a beautiful certificate. It is a baptismal certificate that has inside of it all of the things that Owen and I studied together so that he can revisit everything that we've looked at, we've studied. He signed it on the back. His name is beautifully printed on the front. Do you like my handwriting, buddy? I did all right. I tried. I'm sorry. Your handwriting is better than mine. I will admit that. But um, Owen, you've already accepted Jesus into your heart, and now we get an opportunity to give you this certificate of baptism, which not only invites you to be a follower of Jesus, but also invites Owen to be a member of the Pendleton Adventist Church and Center for Evangelism. How many want to raise your hand? Or actually, you know what? Let's just give him an affirmation by applause if you want him here. Yes. I'm not even asking for the nays. I think we have enough yays. Are we good? All right. And here, I've got a gift for you. Now, you need to understand something about this gift. This gift will only do you good things if you use it. Use it wisely, friend. It's all yours. And now I want to do something before we close this service. I want, together with all of you, to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for Owen. He's already accepted Jesus. He's been baptized by water. He's, he, is, he is symbolically, he's made the decision to confess the sin in his life and the iniquity in his life. He's washed clean head to toe. And today I'm going to anoint you with oil and we're all going to pray for you with mom and dad that you will receive the Holy Spirit, that you will be equipped with the armor of God. And you can say it with me. My armor. Say my arm. armor. Jesus. 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 My armor. My armor. And you can revisit that passage that I preached for you today. You do know this entire sermon was for you, right? We let other people listen too, but really, I would have preached this just for you if you were the only one here today. Because young man, you are a force, not will be, you are a force for God's kingdom. And I'd like to invite Al up here before we pray for you. We've got a blessing box from the entire church. Owen, we want you to know that we're very proud of you as a church family, and uh, we want to support you. And we want to journey with you and all of us as we march toward the kingdom. And so we're presenting you with a little token here of recognition for this special day for you. Thank you. All right, we're going to pray for you, Owen. You ready? And I want to invite everyone in the church family that would like to affirm Owen and his decision to follow Jesus, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be a member in his army, his gospel of peace to the world, to just put your hands out towards Owen, and we're going to pray for him together right now. Are we ready? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Owen. Lord, you say that if we pray believing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we receive it in that moment. And so, Lord, Owen has said, I want my temple to be clean. I don't want any of the influences of the dark one, of the devil in my life. I want to leave him no footholds. I want the armor of God on me. I want to have faith that it is Jesus that gives me salvation. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the one who will empower me, and he will teach me everything that I need to say and do. He will pour out his love and write his law of love on my heart and mind and make me a shining example for him so that others can come to believe in Jesus because all who believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you 
for answering. You say where two or more are gathered together in your name that you are there and I know that you are here. And I know that today you have touched Owen's life in a way that will forever set him on a trajectory to being in your arms when you come again. Come soon, Lord, and call Owen's name. Come soon, Lord, and call all of our names so that we can be together in heaven is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Easley family. You can go ahead and head back to your seats. Let's go ahead and hear it for him. And today, as we close this service, you know we have 30 other people who have made the decision that they want to follow Jesus and that they want to get baptized. We have many others here today who have already made the decision to be baptized. You're already members of the church. We have many here today who have already said, I don't want to just sit in church, but I want to be used by God as a member of the church who is being used to spread the gospel of the kingdom into all the world. And we also have some sitting here today who are in that valley of decision saying, I don't know if it's my time, I don't know if I'm ready to give my life to Jesus yet. Some of you are sitting right on the fence. Some of you gave your lives to Jesus years ago and you've gone down a road where you're feeling broken and you're feeling farther from God than you ever have before in your life. Some of you watching on the live stream right now tuned in as a last dish effort to say, God, you gotta say something to me to heal the brokenness in my life. I don't need you to stand up. I don't need you to run to the front. But what I want to do is create an opportunity for each and every single one of you here today, no matter where you are in your walk with God, to say, Jesus, I want you to be my armor. I want you to help me live a life of love. I want you to make me your hands and feet. I want to make a difference. I don't want to just stand by and watch as the world falls apart, but instead, God, please fill me with your spirit and use me. Maybe if you want, you can stand to your feet. We're going to put the words up on the screen. And if you want to cry out to God today, you can sing along with me. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. We got a young man that just came sat near the front here. 
his brother too. You know, Charlie and Chandler are going to be getting baptized pretty soon too. Yeah, that's right. Oh, come to the altar of Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was my wealth my precious blood of Jesus Christ if you want to come down here and you want to stand together with me at the front Charlie and Chandler why don't you come on down here Owen come on down here again Allie, are you here today? Allie, come on down here. Where are you at? Who else do we got here today? We got the Meloshenko young ones. They're getting baptized too. We got Deanna and Dave Frey. They're getting baptized too. They're taking a stand for Jesus. Because they've said, and maybe you want to say today, leave behind your regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling if Luke Clayville was here he'd come to the front Luke Clayville came up to me after church last week and he said it's time to follow Jesus bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is found. Jesus is calling. Oh, 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 oh. come to the altar. Our Father's arms are open wide. And forgiveness was found well. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And my niece, Aubrey, who just came down to the front with one of her good friends standing right here on the front of the road, told me, Uncle, I want to go to Camp Myverton and get baptized and give my life to Jesus all over again. And know what I say, yo. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. And bow down before him. anyone here today who wants to say I've decided I want to give my life to Jesus I want to get baptized or I want to recommit my life to Jesus I want to put on the armor I don't want to just sit in church anymore 
but instead I want to be a part of the army of God I want to pray those prayers for my brothers and my sisters I want to go out to the highways and byways and I want to tell people about Jesus then you can come to the front too join us at the front as I sing oh come to the altar oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open when forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bear your cross as you wait for your crown. Tell the world of the treasure you've found. Just want to sing that first verse one more time. I'm going to sing this specifically for the people watching on the live stream. If you've decided you want to follow Jesus and you want to give your life to him, I want you to call Pastor Farr. My number's published. You call me. We're going to talk. I want to come and sit with you. I want to visit you. I don't care where you are in the world. We'll Zoom. How you hurt and broken within. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. But Jesus is calling. And if you've come to end of yourself if you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling sing oh come to one more time oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, you see every heart. It don't matter if they're watching on the live stream or if they're watching later on YouTube or if they're sitting here in the church or if they're standing here at the front or if they're down kneeling on their knees, God, you see our hearts and you know every thought. 
My prayer today is, Lord, that you will do something we can't. We need your armor, God, and we want to join you in praying. Lord, the harvest is ripe. There are so many people in this world that know that they need Jesus. Some of them don't know that it's Jesus they need, but they know they need something. Lord, the harvest is ripe of people that are looking for a home that feels like home because this world doesn't feel like home anymore, Lord. We're begging you, please. Send workers into the ripe harvest to harvest that harvest. Lord, multiply those of us who have decided that we don't want to just give our lives to Jesus to be saved, but that we want to be used by Jesus to be his warriors, to be the preachers of his gospel of peace, to be the people whose hands and feet can be used to help ease the suffering God, make us your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is my prayer. Lord, make Jesus my armor. Make Jesus our armor. In Jesus' name, amen.